Welcome to another episode of Called Bank Sports. Uh, now's a good time for Jazz fans. The Jazz are on a six-game winning streak. They're looking to continue that. They don't have the easiest record, but we have a record that we think we can push us into double di- I mean, not record, but schedule that we think we can push us into double digits. Uh, also, against the Timberwolves, uh, I just kind of want to jump right into this one because anyone who's seen this is probably thinking of this right now, but... Uh, some Timberwolves players made some interesting comments about Rudy Gobert, and as as a jazz channel, I think we kind of need to come and break this down and come to Rudy's defense here. I mean, personally, I would always rather have Rudy playing defense, but we can we can help a guy out and give him some <laughs> defense right now. Uh, come to his defense. No, I totally agree with you. Anthony Edwards and Patrick Beverly were just blowing smoke in the post game. And just we we talked a bit about it, but just give me your thoughts specifically. So, uh, I'll let you talk more about the Anthony Edwards comments. I, okay. I'm I'm chalking those up to just he's young in the league and uh, probably didn't think it through too, too much. Patrick Beverly, though, he's a veteran in the, in the league. He's played a lot of games against Gobert, um, and if you haven't read it, to summarize what he said. It was it was along the lines of, I don't think Rudy Gobert is a defensive player of the year quality type of defender, because if you're a defensive player of the year type of defender, then you go and guard the best player on the other team every night. He's like, I don't want to see him guarding some scrub center when there is a LeBron James out on the floor or a Kevin Durant out on the floor. And I'm expanding a lot more on what he was saying, but... That was basically what he said. And I think that's kind of ridiculous. Um, obviously, Patrick Beverly, you're not going to see him go up against and guard a player like Carl Anthony Towns or Giannis Antetokounmpo. Uh, but you will see Gobert do that. So I think, I don't know what he was thinking there. I think that was him thinking that you can't be the best offensive player on the floor unless you're a wing player. And so because I'm a wing player and guard wing players, that makes me a better defender. That's all That's all that I can take out of it. I don't know what he was getting at. And I think the comments were really just silly. Yeah, I'm starting to wonder what was in his Gatorade bottle for that fourth quarter. <laughs> like, I I don't understand the comments at all. And um, JJ Redick had Joe Ingles on for his podcast, The Old Man and the Three, this week. And they talked a lot about it. And Joe just basically said, one of the things that makes go that makes Gobert such a great defender is that it allows me to defend my guy. It allows me to, you know, f- commit more to stopping three point shooters because Joe just outright said, I am so much less scared about someone driving past me and going to the paint. Like who are you going to try to shoot on? If you're a little six, three guard, are you going to want to try to get a layup against Rudy Gobert or try to take a shot over Joe Ingles? Like if both if of you're those Anthony Edwards, suck. you're fine with either one. Hey, and you know, as long as Anthony (laughs) Edwards is getting me my fantasy points, I could care less about what he said, but specifically what he said, um, which just mind boggles me. And I've said a lot on the podcast, at least I think I have like, you know, if it's for your confidence and it's what lets you be the best and be the best player you are, I guess good for you, right? Like if you need to always be a victim, but it allows you to go out and play on it at an all-star level, then yeah, say everyone's picking you. If you need to think that you're the best player in the world to go out and play at an all-star level, even if you're not, then again, I guess you've got to do it. And your results speak for yourself more so. But what Edwards specifically said was basically, 
I don't know why we shoot so poorly against him. He's not that good. <laughs> like pause for dramatic effect. I don't know why we can't make our shots against someone people say is the best defensive player in the league. He's not the defensive player and he's not the best defense player, defensive player in the league. Then make your shots against him. Like he's the best defender in the league bar none. And yeah, a lot of that is, you know, short guys trying to go over top of him. Oh, okay. But like we acknowledge Rudy Gobert's shortcomings. If Steph Curry takes um, advantage of him on the perimeter, because that's where Steph Curry's going to be best. And Steph Curry's not best in the paint. So frankly, I just feel like Edwards <laughs> made a comment that literally made no sense to me, but overall, like, the Jazz know that Gobert is one of the, the one of the best defenders in the league and the best defensive center. Um, if you watch the end of the Cleveland Cavaliers game, like he had an amazing defensive stretch there. Gobert is just going to go out, and frankly, the reason why he was such a non-impact in the Timberwolves game is because Carl Anthony Towns never went into the paint to attack Gobert, which shows that Carl Anthony Towns. Thinks he's the smart. He thinks Gobert's an amazing defender, and I just find that hilarious because I Anthony Edwards and Patrick Beverly are great players. Edwards could, you know, be an All Star in the future, and who knows, could have an MVP season. Like that could come out of the blue. But Carl Anthony Towns said, with the way he played, that Gobert is the best center, is the best defensive center in the league. And Carl Anthony Towns didn't make any comments in post game, so. <laughs> I, I want to well, know what that locker room was like afterwards. I, I wish I could have been a fly on the wall there. Well, and and sometimes your impact on the game isn't shown by what you do, but by what the other team doesn't do because you're on the floor. And yeah. so if if Carl Anthony Towns is one of the best three-point shooting centers ever, but you would still much rather him be in the post and do his thing down there. And if you're taking that whole aspect of Carl Anthony Towns game away from him to the point that he's not even going to try it. That makes the Timberwolves offense a lot less. There's a way fewer options there. And Carl yeah. Anthony Towns, who's their best player is now relegated to a corner three point shooter on offense. And that takes their best player away for the most part of his game, which is huge. Yeah. And Cat did do I mean Cat did do a good job job against Bogdanovich, which is who was defending him. But the thing is Cat isn't an elite enough player for you to be concerned with Bojan guarding him the whole game. And to be fair, the Timberwolves were missing D'Angelo Russell. So maybe the way that the Jazz approached it would have been worse had D'Angelo Russell been able to play. But I don't think that's the case. Like, yeah, the Wolves did a good job staying up to pace in the first half. But that second half was just a thing of beauty. Like the Jazz just broke Not out for Timberwolves fans. Point shooting. Yeah, you're you're right. But I mean, <laughs> is there really such thing as a Timberwolves fan? I feel like that's just someone who has lived in Minnesota long enough to feel the pain and suffering with no benefits. <laughs> it, it seems like a rough. I'm glad I'm not a Wolves fan. I mean, you have Kevin Garnett, who you get nothing done with. Kevin Love, who you get nothing done with. Andrew Wiggins turns out to be. Um, not who you'd hope he'd be as the number one pick. Like you have another number one pick in Anthony Edwards who could be great, but again, like you could have taken the mellow ball. Maybe that wasn't the right call, but it probably would have been the better decision. I think we can both agree on that. Yeah. It'd, it'd be interesting to see. I'm, I think Anthony Edwards will be great, but 
with what LaMelo's ball has done so far in his career on a, like the Hornets don't have much of a better roster than the T-Wolves either. So he probably would have done the same thing with the Timberwolves. That's interesting. I mean, the Hornets are definitely going to make the playoffs and I think the Timberwolves are going to be continue to be a disappointment in that regard, but it's overall just kind of intriguing. I'm, I'm, I'm excited. I, well, I'm excited that we're at least right on one thing, which is the Timberwolves sucking. We were talking, and we won't get too much into this. We were talking about how we predicted at the beginning of the year that Memphis would not make the play-in and that the Pelicans w- would. And um, we will own up to that one right here, right now, that barring, you know, some crazy stuff happening, like just an, a, an absurd losing streak by the Gri- Grizzlies and an amazing winning streak by the Pelicans, that is definitely not the case. Well, I thought that prediction was if the Pelicans had drafted Ja. So, so I, I'm just, I'm just uh, saying. I'm sorry for <laughs> yeah throwing you under there. I'm interested to see where Ja Morant goes. Speaking of another rookie, who I'm interested to see how much his inability to shoot, um, the long, t- you know, mid range and the three point shot, and maybe I'm wrong on the mid range, but I, I don't think I am, ends up impacting him. It is kind of funny when you have what a guy who's six two leading the league and. Um, points in the paint up until he got injured. <laughs> like that was, and he, it's not only that he's six two, but he's not built either. It's not like, it's not like an athletic Kyle Lowry's scoring a bunch in the paint. It's he, he's a skinny six two. He, he's he's a, going he's up a, and dunking. Yeah. He's not scared. No, he's not, and it is crazy to see. But the the one thing that I did want to get to, I'm just talking about what where the Jazz have been as late as of late. So they've played 25 games right now, and their three-point percentage is 37.4%, which is probably not that high in the league. I don't have league stats pulled up here. And if I were to tell you as a Jazz fan that they were shooting 37.4% at the beginning of the year, 25 games in, I think everyone would be really concerned. Is that a fair assessment, Dale? Uh, well, the the thing is, uh, it's, it's so tough because that, like the extra percent isn't even an extra shot a game, but it, you can lose games by missing that. Yeah. So like, but 37.4% sounds great, but 38.4% sounds a lot better. Yeah. I think that they finished last year, like at about 39%. Right. And frankly, at the beginning of the season, when we were looking at this stat and the jazz were shooting 30% from three, that's why the stat is so amazing right now. Like the nights that they've had to continue to bring up that percent is awesome. And if the jazz don't hit another slump from three, like as a, I have a hard time not seeing them not finishing with a top two seed. And frankly, I am predicting that Chris Paul will be injured there and that you'll see a drop off from the warriors. Um, and we could very well not see a drop off from the warrior warriors. They've played amazing. But I do think we're to the point where like Chris Paul, a Chris Paul injury is a when not if, and maybe I'm just being super negative, but other than last season, Chris Paul hasn't showed us anything over the last three, four years to lead us to believe that he can play a whole season. Well, and, and even when he got into the playoffs last season, he, he played through injuries. He he was yeah. hurt a lot of the playoffs. Yeah. And something I think it was a hand injury mainly, which is kind of an interesting one, right? Since it's not like a leg, like a leg injury, mm-hmm. um, like Conley's hamstring. Like, you know, he can't bring anything on the court. 
But when you're the point guard and the leading like assist getter on in the league, that's obviously going to throw you throw you off your game. Yeah. So uh, Chris Paul, he's for the second half of his career, he's had injury problems. Um, really, when he started having deeper runs into the playoffs, those extended seasons have have been tougher on him. He just had a compact season that went all the way through the end. He played every like as many games as anyone else in the playoffs. And so I, I agree with you. Like that's that's probably going to happen. Uh, the Suns are still a good enough team that they'll be competitive. They'll probably drop drop some spots, and that will be tough to come back from because the Warriors are pro- going to be tough. The Jazz are going to be tough, and we have a Lakers team who is underperforming by a lot and come after the all-star break they're going to be fighting for positioning and and like i know their their spot's not great right now but it's not like they're out of the race at all even when even with them not playing great we have a mavericks team who is under 500 who we had a chat about them before we started recording but uh they have some talent that when when some players get hot they could be competitive and start fighting for some spots so it's going to be a competitive race, and I think the Jazz are good enough to handle all the competition if they stay healthy, and the Suns might not if they lose a, a huge player on their team like Chris Paul, even for like a, a few weeks. Yeah, and I mean, I do think it's really interesting to see the separation at the top that has happened this year, right? Where you have the Suns and the Warriors who are very clearly at the top of the West, you know, um, both with 20 plus wins in 20 um, in 25 or less games. And you have the jazz who are sitting there at 18 and seven. Um, you know, and then after that, all of a sudden you drop down to the Grizzlies at 15 and 11. And you look at the separation between the four seed and the, um, what is this? The 13 seed, sorry, the 14 seed and the thunder. And that's a six game separation between the four and the, um, between team four and team 14 in the West, which is a lot, you know, at this point, like teams have played 24 to 26 games. That is a lot, but it's not as much as you'd think it would have been with how dominant the top of the West was last year. And obviously injuries to the Clippers and to the Nuggets have really helped with that. But then again, yeah, so it's just crazy to me. And there's still like, the Indiana Pacers are six and a half games off the Bucks. Sorry, off the Nets. Like that's insane. There's, it, it's close, and I think you're you're still going to see some teams separate themselves. But it's, it's an interesting year standing wise. The East is looking a lot better than I think anyone thought they would. Yeah, the, there are three teams in the East that have been bottom feeders for years that are now not even in the playoff game right now. Like uh, that might not last, especially for teams like the wizards. I don't, I can't see that lasting through the end of the season, but like who would have thought the wizards would be where they're at right now. So the, like, I feel like it's been a long time since like, there's always been at least one guaranteed lock team in the finals. Normally it's been LeBron James, uh, the Warriors had a lot of those games for a long time. Uh, and all of last season, the Nets were considered a guaranteed lock. And everyone's just like, well, there's no no one's getting through the Nets. But this is the first season in a long time that people are looking at it and saying, you know what? Like, any of these teams could have a great run in the playoffs. So I think this is great for basketball. Um, 
Like the Nets are still a great team. Kevin Durant is having an MVP caliber season. If Kyrie comes back, maybe that talk will will start up again that no one can get through the Nets. But yeah, people saw people saw it happen last year with the Bucks. So who knows? Like it, it's a wide open league right now. LeBron James uh, doesn't own it like he has for the past like ever since I followed basketball pretty much. So it's it's fun to it's fun to see the league like this. No, it is. And I think this is the first time in a long time that in the last four years, there's been four different champions. And you have the Warriors four years ago. You have Toronto, who, yeah, there's an asterisk there. Like, the Warriors got hurt. Um, the Warriors did, however, sacrifice depth and make all of these decisions to um, keep being as top-heavy as they were. And it definitely bit them um, that year. Then you have the Lakers, who, again, it's LeBron James, you know, and it's a big name, but still it's a different team to have won it. It's a different franchise. And then you mm-hmm. had the Bucks last year who did get lucky against the Nets, right? But I mean, once it got down to the conference finals in each conference, it was guaranteed to be a fourth different team. So it's anyone's game right now. And I'm intrigued to see. I do think when you asked who saw what was happening with the Wizards happening, I think we, I can't remember what we predicted them, where we predicted them to be at the beginning of the year, but I mean, who won that Russell Westbrook trade? Definitely not the Lakers at this point. And I don't know if we'll see that happening. Like you gave up so much depth for a player who I never really liked. And I think both me and you talked ourselves into liking the move only because we felt like so many other people liked it that like we were in the minority and who are we to be right? But it's obviously not a good move right now, right now. And there's some other stuff that has happened. Like, yeah, LeBron has been injured, but you still shouldn't be 500, even with LeBron being injured. If Russell Westbrook was who he was supposed to be, at least the off season talk led people to believe he was going to be on this team. Yeah. And I, uh, not to spend too much time in the Lakers, but I kind of saw the trade and I I was kind of imagining, oh, what if we're getting 2014 LeBron, 2014 um, Russell Westbrook, Anthony Davis from a couple of years ago, like, and even though, like, I think everyone knew Westbrook and LeBron wasn't a good fit, but 2014 Westbrook and 2014 LeBron, the fit doesn't matter. They were, they would have both been too good, but we haven't seen anywhere close. And it, it was unrealistic to think that ever but i think just the number of stars anthony davis carmelo anthony lebron james russell westbrook like uh, the number of stars kind of got people thinking oh what if Um, yeah and and i I think that's kind of what came in but that being said though i'm never going to count lebron james out even though he's not been playing well he's been playing good not not amazing and he hasn't been playing a ton of games but the rest of his team hasn't been incredible either but you can't really count that team out yet. It's still early enough, and they still have enough good talent that they might be able to pull something together. Um, I wouldn't bet on it, though. That would be my best yeah. advice. <laughs> yeah. You know, personally, I really do have to look at it and think, like, I don't, I don't think LeBron is going to get another title. And that's really easy to say, right? But, like, I just can't see the Lakers rebuilding in such a way to be able to get one around him. I feel like he needs someone who can take the load off while, while not just ball hogging. And as much as I love how much heart Westbrook puts into the game, that is what Westbrook does. Maybe if the Lakers move towards playing, you know, 
LeBron 30 minutes a night and Russell Westbrook was on the court those other 18 minutes. And they could have some overlap. But you, I just feel like you need to... Russell Westbrook would be a great Jordan Clarkson. Let me put it that way. And you're never yeah. going to have him play the Jordan Clarkson role. But I feel like that would be Russell Westbrook's role on a championship team is to be a sixth man of the year. And he's never going to have the humility to accept that in a, in his prime, I don't think. And I understand why it's hard, but I think that that's where Westbrook would bring the most value to any team in the league. Yeah, and at, at the end of the day, it's Westbrook's career. If if that's what he values in his career, then, then good for him, as long yeah. as he understands that it will probably cost him a championship. Uh, or that's the, the chance at a championship. And if he's willing to pay that price, then good for him, I guess. No, I do feel like every NBA player says they value a ring, um, you know, up most. But I think number one is most of all money that they value, which is fair. Yeah. Again, like turning down 20 to $30 million, that's a lot of money. Which I would honestly, love to have I would do the same thing if I were in their position. It's yeah. Like 5 million for a ring or 25 million for no ring. That's a lot of money. It is a lot of money, right? And so I just think it's interesting. He'll, it'll be, he's always going to be an interesting discussion. And I think he's will always in my mind be in the discussion of Wilt Chamberlain, where we will look back, you know, 30 years from now and think, dang, those stats are beautiful. But once you start delving into it, you realize that the years he had the best personal stats looking at Wilt were the years that his team did the worst. And the team that the years that he, you know, didn't have as good of seasons, his team were the years his teams won championships. And we've devolved. We went from a Utah Jazz podcast to a Russell Westbrook NBA history podcast. And <laughs> I apologize to anyone who has made it th- to this point who didn't want that. But I'm very appreciative to anyone who has watched us for, you know, the last 22 minutes. So <laughs> I think anything else you want to say, Dale, before we wrap up today? Um, I just want to say that Patrick Beverly was wrong and uh, Rudy Gobert is sixth on the MVP list. So uh, on the official N- NBA site, right? Like, yeah, yeah, on the Kia. It's sponsored yeah. and everything, but you know, <laughs> so <laughs> thank you to everyone for watching. Please follow wherever you're at. Please leave a like. Um, if you have finals week, either this week or um, I hope it went well next week. I wish you the best of luck. We feel your pain. Um, but we're going to keep bringing Utah Jazz content, so please watch for our post games. Thanks again, and go Jazz!